Throughout Israel's history, God proved to his chosen nation time and time again that they could trust in him to provide for all of their needs. God is the one who delivered his chosen nation from their slavery in Egypt, sending his prophet Moses to, to call upon all kinds of plagues on Egypt to force Pharaoh's hand to let God's people go. And God is the one who parted the Red Sea, giving the Israelites a safe passage of escape from Pharaoh's army. And once the Israelites had escaped from their slavery in Egypt, they then found themselves in a situation where they were wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. And during this time, they found themselves on multiple occasions in a situation where they were in desperate need of food and water. And whenever this happened, God made sure to provide for the needs of his people. Whether it was giving them water from a rock or or giving them manna from heaven, God made sure to provide for his people. And years later, when God's servant Moses died, well, it was then time for the Israelites to take possession of the land that was promised to them. And at this time in their history, they were by no means a threat to the other well-established nations in the area. After wandering around the wilderness for 40 years and, and not having a strong army by any means. Yet in spite of this, nation after nation, God handed over to his chosen people and they took possession of the land that was promised to them. Throughout all of Israel's history, God proved to them time and time again that they could trust in Him to provide. But even though God proved this to His chosen nation time and time again, they would soon turn away from the one true God. You see, the Israelites, once they took possession of the promised land, neglected to carry out God's command to completely wipe out all of the other surrounding nations. And so as time went by, the the Israelites started to notice that all of the other surrounding nations had kings ruling over them, which led the Israelites to become jealous. And even though God warned them of what would happen in the future, the Israelites demanded that God place a king over them. And as we look at the first few kings in Israel's history, Saul, David, and Solomon, that while they had their flaws and faults, These kings did still continue to to praise and worship the one true God, and they led the Israelites to do the same. But after the reign of Solomon, things quickly started to go downhill. Kings started to fall into all kinds of corrupt worship practices. But the Israelites hit rock bottom once King Ahab came to reign. And Scripture describes Ahab's reign in this way. Ahab did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. And the reason for such a harsh judgment on Ahab is because not only did Ahab fall into corrupt worship practices, but Ahab completely banned worship to the one true God and demanded that God's chosen nation, the Israelites, praise and worship Baal, a false pagan god of the surrounding nations. Even though God had proven to his people time and time again that they could trust in him to provide, 
Ahab led them to become an unfaithful nation. But in our verses for today, we see that even though the Israelites had become unfaithful to the one true God, that God remains faithful to them. And God does so by sending his prophet Elijah to proclaim a harsh message as a way to remind Ahab and all of the Israelite nation to trust in God alone to provide. We hear in our verses for today that Elijah comes before Ahab and he says to him, As surely as the Lord lives, the God of Israel, before whom I stand, there will be no dew or rain during the coming years except at my word. Now, it's interesting to point out that this is the first time in all of Scripture that we hear anything about the prophet Elijah. And the first words he proclaims aren't words of peace and forgiveness. The first words he proclaims are are harsh words of judgment. Elijah makes it very clear that he is saying these words as a representative of the one true God, the God of Israel. The God whom Ahab was supposed to be serving as a king over the Israelite nation. And Ahab declared, or, and Elijah declared to Ahab and the Israelites that God was going to send a drought in the coming years. And this drought is something that lasted a little over three and a half years. Now here in Nebraska, in an agricultural society, it's easy for us to imagine just how damaging and destructive a drought like this would have been. I mean, even just in these past few months, we've seen how the lack of rain in a short span of time can stunt the growth of so many crops. So it's maybe easy for us to imagine just how damaging and destructive a drought like this would have been on the Israelite nation, especially considering the fact that even if they did have water in their reserves, they certainly didn't have enough to water their fields for three full years. And while it might seem harsh for God to pronounce a judgment like this on his chosen people, God had a very specific reason for using his creation in this way. This was a wake-up call, a call to repentance to the entire Israelite nation, and a very pointed one at that. You see, by sending a drought, what God was really doing was getting the Israelites to see that Ahab, The God that Ahab had led them to trust and believe in was Baal, which is a word that means Lord. But the specific Baal that Ahab led them to trust and believe in was the one who was believed to cause the rain to fall and to cause the crops to grow. So sending this drought, God was really saying to the Israelite nation, Go ahead and call on the name of Baal all you want, and you will see that he can do nothing for you because he is nothing. I am the God who causes the rain to fall. I am the God who causes the crops to grow. I am the living God who has created all things. And Baal has simply been manifested in the mind of man. Sending a three-year drought would have made it clear to the Israelite nation that Baal couldn't provide for them. No matter how many prayers they would have spoken to them or how many sacrifices they would have offered to him, the only thing that would have caused the rain to fall once again was when God would give the word to his prophet Elijah. Crystal clear to the entire Israelite nation 
that the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is the only God that they could trust in to provide for them. And really looking at the situation that the Israelites were in, this harsh judgment, this this call to repentance is what they needed the most at that time. Because if the Israelites continued on the path that they were on, trusting and believing in this false pagan God, they would have continued on a path leading to eternal destruction. And so God, by sending this severe drought, was to turn the Israelites away from Baal and back to Him, the one true God. The God who did so because He not only desired to provide for them in the past as He had done so, but he desired to continue providing for all of their needs, physical and spiritual, in the present and future. And just as God wasn't afraid to bring the Israelites to their knees by, by sending this harsh call to repentance to the Israelites, well, he isn't afraid to do the same for us as well. But God truly knows what's best for each and every one of us, and sometimes what's best for us is for God to use his creation to allow us to lack all kinds of things that we might have in our lives. And, this is, and when God does so, he does this as a way to call us to repentance. Even though we may not have a, a false pagan God that's tempting us to put our trust in him, we all have all kinds of false bales in our lives that tempt us to put our trust in them. Money, wealth, possession, job, reputation, power, whatever it may be. But not only are we tempted with all of these things to to try and put our trust in them, we actually fall into this temptation each and every day. Because every time our, our sinful nature leads us to fall into sin, what those sinful thoughts, words, and actions are really saying to God is that I trust in the sinful desires of my heart to provide me with with what I need in my life rather than what your will says for my life, Lord. And because of our continued unfaithfulness to God, God could simply hand us over to the sinful desires of our hearts and he wouldn't be wrong for doing so. But instead of doing this, God also remains faithful to you and me. And sometimes God's way of doing that is by allowing us to lack all kinds of things in our lives. Allowing us to lack food, water, money, uh, shelter, possessions, uh, reputation, job, whatever it may be. And when God does so, your sinful nature is going to lead you to believe that God is being unfair. Your sinful nature is going to lead you to believe that, that God is punishing you for something that you've done, but that's not the case. When God allows you to lack something in your life, God is using this to call you to repentance, to lead you to turn away from all of the false bells that you can have in your life, which would lead you down a path to eternal destruction and back to Him, the God who has proven to you time and time again that He can and will provide for all of your needs. What a gracious and loving God that he doesn't give us over to the sinful desires of our hearts, but who uses his creation 
as a way to, to draw us back to himself because he desires to, to have a relationship with each and every one of us. And God does so because he desires to lead you down a path leading to everlasting life in heaven. As our verses continue, we see that not only will God use his creation as a way to lead us to repentance, but God will also use his creation to provide for his people. After Elijah proclaimed this harsh message to Ahab and the Israelites, there were probably two big fears going through his mind. One of those fears was probably wondering what Ahab and Jezebel were going to do to him. Because Elijah knew that that Ahab and Jezebel were the most powerful people in the entire Israelite nation. And he knew that this message was going to anger them. And the second big fear going through Elijah's mind was probably wondering how he was going to be provided for. Because you see, this drought that he proclaimed on the entire Israelite nation wasn't just going to affect the Israelite nation. This drought was also going to affect Elijah. But upon immediately proclaiming these words to Ahab, God then spoke to Elijah and he said to him, Leave that place and go hide yourself by the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. And this was so that he wouldn't be found by Ahab and his army. And God then told Elijah, You will drink from the stream, and I will command the ravens to provide for you there. And upon hearing this, Elijah easily could have doubted that God was actually going to be able to provide for him. I mean, notice the details of how God was going to provide for him. He was sending him to a place that was going to have a small stream of water. And Elijah was maybe wondering, well, how in the world are you going to provide for me for three years, God, if there's a drought for this long? A stream isn't going to last that long. And notice how God was going to provide Elijah with food, sending him ravens day after day, which are scavengers. And by no means, by by their very nature, won't share their food with anything. Even adult ravens don't share their food with their own children. Elijah easily could have doubted that God was going to be able to provide for him in this way. But instead of doubting God, we hear that Elijah went and did just as the Lord had said. He went and lived in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. And while he was there, the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and in the evening, and he drank from the stream. Not only did God miraculously provide for Elijah's needs, but notice that he did so day after day. Sending the ravens to him to provide him with a meal, the exact amount of food that he needed for a meal in the morning and with the exact amount of food that he needed for a meal in the evening so that at the end of each and every day, Elijah would be left with nothing. And on top of that, Each and every day that Elijah went and got water from that small stream nearby, he would have noticed it getting smaller and smaller as the drought continued. So each and every day would have put Elijah's trust in God to the test. Yet each and every day, the Lord provided for Elijah just as he promised that he would. And how would you have felt if you were in Elijah's position in this situation. 
if the stream that was providing you water continued to, to trickle away day after day, and if you had to rely on scavenger birds to provide you with a meal in the morning and a meal in the evening, well, maybe it's not all that hard for you to imagine what it would be like to be in Elijah's position. I'm sure that many of us have been in situations where it seemed like things were, were trickling away in our own lives and we had no idea how we were going to be provided for that next year, month, week, or even that very next day. And when you face those situations in your life, have you always trusted in God to provide for you? In the first article of the Apostles' Creed, we confess that we believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And when we confess those words, we're, we're not only confessing that God is the creator of all things, we're also confessing that God is the one who sustains our bodies and souls with what they need each and every day. And while we may go through times in life where we're not sure how we're going to be provided for, we can confess those words in confidence. Because just as God promised to provide for all of Elijah's needs and did so, God also promises to provide each and every one of us with what we need each and every day. And we can know that God will fulfill each and every promise that he gives us. We can especially find comfort in the fact that God not only fulfills this promise each and every day, but knowing that God fulfills his greatest promise to provide for our greatest spiritual need. And God did so by sending his very own son into this world, who broke into creation so that he could accomplish God's plan of salvation. And even though Jesus knew during his time on this earth that what lay ahead for him in the future was an excruciating death on the cross, he trusted in God's plan of salvation perfectly and willingly went to the cross so that he could die for all of your sins, even your sins of doubt that are sometimes directed at God. And because God has provided for your greatest spiritual need and winning for you the forgiveness of all of your sins and eternal life in heaven, how much more can we trust and know that God will provide for our smaller earthly needs here in this life? So trust and know that God will provide for all of your needs. He promises to do so. And you can know that God will fulfill each and every promise that he gives you. Amen.